Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. Mike, it's great to be here. February 3rd, it's raining and windy and terrible outside, so it's nice to be in a, a slightly larger room today. We're not in like a little baby booth sitting on top of each other here. No, but this is important to maintain the <laughs> the appearance of a low-tech type of thing that yeah. we do. You just, just burst the bubble. Yeah, the fact that we have absolutely no technology behind. Nick, <laughs> Nikki, our old technical producer, has moved on to bigger and better things. And here we are, just the two of us. I, I direct and write. Mike, you're an editor-producer. Yeah. But, but among other things. The yeah. magic of podcasting, you can just kind of do it in anything. You Although today, it. we do have a set that looks like the Sports Center set. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> That's right. what we can afford at SB Nation. Take our word for it. Yeah. You, you can't see it, but it's in the other room. It's real close to us. It's for signing day. It's a big college football day. But no better time to talk about basketball right now, Mike. And one team in particular, um, I think it's important to note that we both read the same article, the same column that Zach Lowe wrote about Oklahoma City. It, it piqued my interest. It piqued yours. We want to talk about OKC. We spent a lot of time this year talking about the Warriors, the drama with Cleveland, the Spurs. I'm not going to call it resurgence, but just who they are as a franchise, as a team this year. And I think we have collectively, potentially, maybe overlooked Oklahoma City. I never overlook Oklahoma City, Mike. You know I'm the biggest Russell Westbrook fan in the world. I've said that too many times on this podcast. Yeah, yes, you have. <laughs> but I love that, uh, that I've been thoroughly behind him. Um, right now, they are 20-1 to 1 odds to win the NBA championship. To put that into context... Golden State is seven to five, and the Cavaliers are five to two. I don't think there's too much of a difference personally between the Cavs' chances and Oklahoma City's chances. They are going to have to beat the same teams to get there. So I think that's an interesting note. But I will say this, Mike. Right now, and I want to ask you this, not to say this, but is the NBA um, are we are we in a place right now where the table to use a Jose Mourinho, the former manager of Chelsea Football Club? Uh, <laughs> Oh, is the table fake? Are we looking at the wrong standings? Are these standings irrelevant right now because the Western Conference schedule is so second-half packed? Real quick, Mike, I'm going to read these to you, and then I want to get your thoughts. Between the 6th of February and March 12th, so basically the next six weeks, the Oklahoma City Thunder play Golden State, Cleveland, Golden State, the Clippers, Golden State, the Clippers, and the Spurs. That feels like the hardest row of month of basketball games I could ever put in front of you. Yeah. So what are we to make of Oklahoma City chances right now to win the West, to win the championship, that their record right now against the West is a 25-4 and staggering mark? They What's also beat the Spurs on opening night. What's going to happen, Mike? Where, do the, where does Oklahoma City go from here, and should we consider them as much a contender to win the championship as the Spurs in Cleveland? We'll, we'll leave Golden State, the defending champs, aside for a sec. Yeah, I mean, sure. I think we can. Uh, you know, I was a little skeptical of them maybe in November and December, but... It does feel like they've started to find what they're doing, that Billy Donovan has settled in. They've sort of seemed to have figured out the lineups they want. Uh, they're still experimenting a little bit with some of their role players. They are turning into a dominant offensive team. I mean, they're, they're putting together one of the great offensive seasons uh, You know, in the last 10 years. It's just been dwarfed by, Oklahoma, by uh, Golden State. Hmm. You know, They're still having some issues on defense, but... Uh, you know Westbrook and Durant. I mean, we've talked about it six weeks ago. They're playing as well as they've ever have, and you know, yes, any other year, any other non-Warriors year, mm. and we'd be talking a lot more about the Thunder. It's such a cliche to say that, and 
you know, believe me, Kevin Durant would love everybody to know that we are not talking about them. <laughs> but it's true and to some degree. Uh, it's also especially interesting because this is such a big year for the franchise. You talk about Durant's upcoming free agency. You talk about the rumors now that Golden State amazingly could steal him away and somehow build an even better team than what they have. Yeah, as if... As if forty-four and four is something that needs to be improved upon. Well, you know, it could be forty-eight and no, right? <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. And we should say Oklahoma City right now, sitting at third in the West, is thirty-seven and thirteen. They're at a winning percentage clip that should see them win over sixty games. So, Mike, can you think of a sixty-win team in recent memory who wasn't considered an NBA title contender? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to think about. I mean, when's the last time though that we saw not only one team this dominant, but also like two or three other teams that were on pace for sixty wins? I mean, yeah. since the expansion era, I can't really think of one. I mean, there were, you know, in the late nineties, you had Seattle when Jordan's team won seventy two. I mean, they were a really great team. Uh, some of the other teams around that, but you know, I can't think of anything recently, which is. I think to the Thunder's advantage, and I think the Thunder would say that too, I think it's kind of given them the latitude to kind of play around with their team a little bit hmm. because they're they're playing different players now. They're playing slightly different lineups. They're playing a different defensive scheme, a little more conservative. And I think the most fundamental change that I find most interesting, uh, something Zach alluded to, but something I've been kind of noticing you know, even before back in November, and I think we should talk about, is that Russell Westbrook is the first option on this team now. Yeah. Russell Westbrook is the one creating most of the plays, whereas I think in the past it was really a kind of partnership with him and Durant and even Durant doing more. Russell, at least playmaking-wise, is doing a lot more. I believe the stat is that he's number one in the league in usage rate. and Durant is a, is a pit, pitiful 14. Yeah. Uh, but that's a significant change, and I think that makes the Thunder's offense a little more dynamic in April and May because now you don't when Westbrook is running the the pick and roll you have nobody you can't help off Durant whereas mm-hmm. I think in the reverse situation you can help off Russell yeah yep and I think another interesting point is the guys who will be guarding Durant come playoff time say these marquee matchups do happen you know Kawhi on him Draymond on him those are tougher matchups for KD he'll get his points I promise you um, but I like Westbrook exploiting Tony Parker and, uh, and and Curry a lot more than I do with maybe pushing Durant too much into a physical matchup with a Draymond or a Kawhi, which is going to happen. Yeah, but I mean that's right, a good right, point. Mike. All I the think... stats they point that exact direction. It's uh, Durant's touches are down this year. He's about fifty a game. Russ is Russ is getting around seventy six touches a game, I and mean, that's a big difference. Um, Russ is involved in three times as many pick and rolls than Kevin Durant gets. I think it's important. I mean, that's a, I that's think a that's a stunning stat. stat at this. A- <laughs> when you consider that Durant for so many years had to, what he really built up to become a star was his playmaking. Yep. I think that's really telling. And, you know, Durant seems fine with it. And I believe Durant is having among his is he's having one of his most efficient seasons I, ever. I think it is either the number one efficient season he's had or I think three years ago. Um, the year he won the MVP was his most efficient, but this might be even more efficient. He's also shooting better percentages this year than he has ever before. I got to believe a part of this is that allowing Russ to create the space for Durant is just leading to easier shots. I think so too, and I think the dynamic of where Russ runs a pick and roll with either of those bigs, and now you can't help off Durant to kind of that guy can't go to the free throw line, the nail, to help mm-hmm. off Durant anymore because because then you can't leave Durant open. I think is a really it's a powerful. Sometimes you can be so good offensively just as a decoy. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about it last week with Clay Thompson, exactly. 
And Durant has that power now. And, you know, that may solve the Thunder's offense issues in the playoffs. It's going to be really interesting to see because you know that this has happened to them as they go deep in the playoffs in the past. And, you know, they run into this issue where two men, a two-man offense is not enough and they don't have enough supplementary options. I don't think they've really developed those other players as supplementary options, but it is possible that they have developed other ways to use their two great players as supplementary options. You know, Durant has said it himself. You know, they're never going to be the Spurs or the Warriors, and he he says that that's just kind of what what they are, and that's not a bad thing. And mm-hmm. they do move the ball when they create an advantage. It's just that they create an advantage a different way, and that will help them in you know April and May and June more than I think it might in the past. Yeah, no, I mean, I I totally agree, and it's also allowing for um, the other guys, the role players, the Cantors and Adams. I'll say Abak is a role player on this he's, team. He he's is super role player, a super role player. Sure. Well, they can crash the rim better. You see, Cantor's leading the league in offensive rebounding rate. He's kind of a savant at offensive rebounding. Among really for a guy who's so had been so lazy on the defensive end to work so hard on the offensive rebounding end <laughs> is sort of a. A weird dichotomy, but um, he's is playing better defense this year. Um, I, I gave Cantor a lot of credit last year. I thought he would be an important piece for this team. I didn't expect for them in the offseason to give him that much money. With that mm-hmm. money comes expectations that probably are larger than his his role. But they've developed Adams. That's important to know. He has developed. Yeah, Adams He's become is, a rim-running big man on a pick-and-roll. Yeah, Adams has had a really good year. Yeah. I mean, he's been fantastic, I think. And he's sneaky dirty, which is important. Very dirty. You need to have a dude who also, if you look at him, there is not a single person in the NBA who, if he fouls hard, is going to go after him. You'd That's be, true. You'd be a lunatic to go after Adams. Yeah, he, I think he was voted the second most dirtiest player in the league. Yeah, behind by his behind the dirtiest guy in the NBA, a fellow, Matthew Delvadova. Fellow Aussie, right? Yeah. Or no, I guess Adams is New Adams Zealand. Adams is from New Zealand. No, that, that's a very bad mistake. Pretty I'm sure, sorry about sure that. We just lost the only New Zealand <laughs> listener we had. <laughs> that's a very bad mistake for people out there. <laughs> the, the worst you could do. Oh, oh, boy. Boy, Mike, that's good. So, okay. But yeah, you're right. They were voted by their peers as the dirtiest players, but I would – I would tell you that they're the two opposite types of dirty basketball play. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, so th- those are a couple of the guys. But I want to ask you about, you mentioned lineups, how they match up with the Warriors, maybe match up with the Spurs. Can you tell me the difference, Mike, between how Oklahoma City should approach their lineup against the Warriors, maybe as opposed to how they should construct themselves to beat the Spurs? Well, I mean, it's a fairly, I think that's a fundamental question. The Warriors spread it out, and the Spurs play too big. So I think... You know that that's a fairly straightforward answer. I mean, the Thunder generally they play two bigs. You know, Abaka and Adams. It gives them that dual rim protection. Abaka can stretch out to the three point line. He's he didn't do that as much in November and December, but he's doing it more now, and that makes them more dynamic. And they have that dual rim protection on the other end. So I think that they may match up very well with San Antonio, uh, given that hmm. because they. They don't have to downsize as much. And where when they have to downsize, I think they struggle a little bit because they don't have that f- additional wing, really. So who do they downsize with right now to, say, match up with the Warriors? Or, Mike, is there a player in a trade or someone out there that they should be looking to bring in to help them match up best with the Warriors? I, I mean, they, need, they need one more guy because I don't think Kyle Singler is the answer as this the additional wing the Shane Battier role, I suppose you could say, the sure. kind of the guy that'll take some pressure off Durant. I don't. He's playing a little better of late, but I don't think you can trust that. And that's been their one weakness throughout the last couple of years, and one that they really should have fixed a lot before. You know, Dion Waiters is playing better. I think he he's 
showing more on defense. He's you know more contained in his role. There's a chance that he, as a, as the fourth guy in that small lineup, would, is going to work out quite well. I think that's that's happening. Mm-hmm. They don't have that fifth guy, and I think it's going to be hard for them to get that fifth guy because they traded a first-round pick for Canner. They already traded plenty of stuff for Waiters. They don't have a lot left to trade, mm-hmm. but they definitely need it. Yeah, I I was looking at the, the roster construction. You're, you're totally right. They're using Singler because, well, Robertson's hurt, Andre Robertson. And he can't shoot even when he's healthy. And, I mean, yeah, teams ignore him. It, he's do you remember what happened? Sefalosha Light, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they'll ignore him even more than yeah. they ignored Cephalosha. Yeah. Cephalosha might help them a lot right now. Yeah. Is he available? <laughs> Will the Hawks trade him back? I don't think so. I don't know, so. if, that's, I don't know if Presti may have burned that uh, that bridge with, with Cephalosha. But I'll say it's the other guys. So we mentioned Morrow, Collison. Um, you touched on Waiters, who, by the way, is only 24. I'm sure he's still learning how to play the game right because he never knew how before. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't learn how to play basketball right. I'm sorry all my friends who went to Syracuse who listened to this. You don't learn how to play basketball, especially defensive basketball, when you play for Bayheim in a 2-3. Yeah. Um, no, he's played a lot better. I've, yes. I've been impressed with uh, his his effort. And, you know, there are, it's funny how they, they'll play games and they'll be in the middle of what they normally do. And then that feels like they like throw him like a two possession bone mm-hmm. to let him do his bad habits. And then they say, okay, you get him out of the way here. Yeah. And like the rest of the game, you can't do this crap. That's a great, it's like a golden <laughs> retriever with a tennis ball. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of how they do. Right? He's playing well though. I think he's going to stay in the starting line. Cause if you throw the ball for the golden retriever, the rest of the day, it's like stoked that it might get the opportunity to run after it again. Right. Which is, it's a great, but that's when you yeah. lay down the hammer, no tennis ball, no for tennis you. Ball. <laughs> retriever. <laughs> I, but, I think that's, that he's playing well i mean that I, I was worried that they were two players short mm-hmm. and now i think they may only be one player short sure. and, and in that's a good case thing. too he's shooting i want to say like 37 percent ish from three which way above 36 37 from three which is both good because it's way above his career average but it's also bad because it's just right below what he's shooting from two uh which is <laughs> yeah that's a, a problem tad o- under, uh, over but if all he does is shoot threes and it's pot you know Teams are when the Thunder downsize. Teams are going to try to hide their worst defender on waiters. Mm-hmm. It looks like he is shooting. Yes, thirty six point nine from from three, mm-hmm. and forty two percent from two point range. Remember that includes layups. He's also shooting. <laughs> he's also shooting only eight point three shots per thirty six minutes, which is by far a career low. And that might be the best stat about him. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he has a capability. If you put a bad defender on him, like mm-hmm. if you're. Again, the Warriors as an example, I mean, they're going to play one wing. They're going to play probably Draymond on Durant or Iguodala on Durant, and they're going to put Clay or Iguodala on Westbrook. And so they're going to hide Steph on Waiters. I think uh, that's uh, a matchup that the Thunder may get a little bit out of if they can use them the right way. But, yeah, they're, they're still in a small line of setting. They're still one guy short. And even when they play big, I think their defense has just been too inconsistent this year yeah. for me to really say that they have a great – they can beat the Warriors. Now, I would love to be able to European soccer this, this up and loan Oklahoma City uh, Robert Covington. I think he'd be a great fit for them. Uh, we can't do that, and they have nothing else to give us. Sixers actually – by us, I mean Sixers actually have Oklahoma City's pick this year, um, so it doesn't matter. But I think a guy like Covington got to be able to shoot a little bit of three. So a Cephalosha, but can shoot a little bit of three, would be important here. They have to be able to space it a bit more for the for the Warriors matchup. But Mike, say in a crazy world, or maybe a real world that happens in a few months, they beat the Spurs. Uh, and then they beat the Warriors, and they play Cleveland in the finals. Do you think they match up well with Cleveland, though, right now? Well, what they've already played Cleveland twice, right? 
I believe they have played them once. Once, okay. Yeah. And they lost, I think. They yeah, I they, mean, they play them on the 21st of this month again. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, anytime any team that lets them play two bigs, I mean, they have a great two big lineup. But what if Cleveland just plays Tristan Thompson at center now and they go one big? Um, even that though, like I think they can survive that. Yeah, you know, it's, so. like, Cleveland's not downsizing against anyone on purpose. I mean, LeBron has said that he doesn't like playing the four very much. Yeah, no, you're right. And then you would have to sit Love. I mean, that's really their problem is uh, is Golden State, Cleveland. But mm-hmm. no, I mean, Thunder can be. You know, they're right there with the other two teams. I think you so t- too. You talk about a player that they could use. I mean, there are rumors that that, P- that Phoenix would trade PJ Tucker. I mean, that's the guy that they could use. Yeah, that would help them a bit. The problem is again, they they don't have a lot to trade. Yep. And you know, I was saying this today. Wing there aren't that many wings available in a trade. Like there's such a premium on these players. Yep. You know, and they, there's so few. There's so few of them and they're so overpriced in the market. I mean, if you're Phoenix, right? You can offer PJ Tucker to Toronto. Toronto needs a wing with DeMar Carroll's injuries. Mm-hmm. Cleveland could use PJ Tucker. They need a guy to downsize. Oklahoma City needs PJ Tucker. The Clippers need PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis could probably use P.J. Tucker. Uh, Rockets. The Rockets could use P.J. Tucker. I mean, yeah. if you go down the list, I mean, the market is going to be so overheated for a guy who, you for know. P.J. Tucker. Right. I mean, P.J. <laughs> Tucker's shooting, what, 35% from three. He doesn't really take a lot of twos. Can't really dribble. Uh, yeah. Is yeah. I think he's, he's his PR is 10.2. I mean, he, he does some valuable things, but this is not – his usage he only uses like twelve percent of Phoenix's possessions. I mean, this is this is a guy, you know, this is not a top quality wing. This is the best out there. Far from it, yeah. You I, know, this I, is a you know so, I agree. Um so And he's uh, and by the way, he's thirty already. The the second question, and again, this is to touch on using using Zach's uh column as a way to kind of spin off of this. He mentioned something that I thought was interesting that if that winning the title is the way that Oklahoma City then pro- can save this team and project for the next three, five years, whatever it may be. That feels like a lot of pressure to keep your team together, winning the title or bust. But it, it does feel like the NBA right now, look, Cleveland was a win the title or fire your coach, start over system. Uh, the Spurs might be the only team in the NBA who just kind of marches to their own beat. But it does feel like the idea of winning the title or team explodes is kind of pervasive now in the league. Yeah, we talked about the Clippers last week. That's right. Uh, the Thunder, I think, is even more so because, I mean, Durant is the franchise. I mean, okay, the Clippers have to blow it up a little bit. You know, Paul is getting older. I mean, but those guys are still under contract. I mean, mm-hmm. Durant, mm-hmm. we don't know what motivates Durant, but he could leave, and the Warriors are a real threat. I mean, if you're if you're Durant and you're worried about winning – and you are already used to kind of taking a secondary role behind to kind of facilitate Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And you already have a pretty good relationship with some of the Golden State guys. I mean, that's They're Team a USA vi- teammates. Yeah, I mean, that's a very intriguing option. Yeah, and, no kidding. I mean, <laughs> like that's a real – like that's not like going home to Washington, like kind of pipe dream type of thing. That's like a real like yeah. great situation. So Yeah, it really would be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Armageddon for that franchise because if they lose Durant, you have to imagine that Westbrook the next year is kind of an Ibaka or kind of they're gone. They're gone the next year, and this is a a, a city, a market that's never kind of experienced like downtimes. You know, from yeah. the minute they got there, they had one 
one year where they were building up, and since then they've been a perennial contender. Sure. And last year they missed the, the playoffs because of injuries and circumstance. But yeah, they've been a right. 55-plus win team every year. You know, yeah, I mean, very much in the top echelon. What happens to that 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 fan base if they have to rebuild? I mean, do they, they won't still be as loud? I promise you. Yeah, do they still have the loyalty? Uh, for I the hope th- so. I hope so. I, I hope that the college mentality that kind of was the creation of this Oklahoma City awesome fan base, the idea that it's not too far from Norman, that it does attract people who maybe are more collegiate fan-based, and that creates this, you know, don't sit down to the first bucket, super loud, again, college arena almost in size when you go there. Um, yeah, you know, man, I hope it doesn't necessarily signal the end of the Oklahoma City, you know, the team being a prominent name. I like watching them play. I love watching these guys play together. Went to the, again, I said, you know, went to the Knicks uh, Thunder game you know, last week and saw them play, and it is isolation basketball. It's not as pretty to watch as, you know, the, the beautiful passing, I don't know, synergy that you see on some of these other teams. But from an individual, like, wow, that possession was unbelievable. How, you know, how did Westbrook get up and down the court in three seconds? How did Durant even make that shot happen? You know, those types of wow you moments happen 25 times a game when you watch Oklahoma City, more than almost any other team, maybe aside from Golden State. Um, but it, it's the type of thing, man, where I don't know how much different they are. And I'm glad you brought up the Clippers because the Clippers are actually kind of close to them in the, in the standings. They're a couple, like, four games behind them or whatever. But it, I'll play the devil's advocate here. Does Oklahoma City really have any different of a chance of winning the West than the Clippers do? I would say yes because, well, first of all, we don't know what Blake Griffin's going to be like uh, that's when true. he comes back. I mean, that's a big loss. You know, when you just look at the talent at the top, I mean, Paul and Griffin – is a great duo. Even that is not as good as Durant Westbrook. No. I mean, not. you've talked about this yeah. almost every time we bring this team up. I mean, <laughs> when you have two of the top five players in the league, you're good, you're already somewhere. You should be somewhere. So yeah. that's a big difference. I think their offense is even better than the Clippers. And the Clippers have a great offense. And the Clippers' defense is not even as good as the Thunders. Like, I think they don't have as good a supporting cast. I mean, some of these guys in the um, – these additional players in the Thunder – you know, they're one piece short, okay? Like, they don't have that one mm-hmm. guy we talked about, the swing kind of 3-4 type. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Adams is much better than, I think, any, you know, any non-DeAndre, I guess, and J.J. Redick, I guess. You know, Adams is a really, really good center and young. Mm-hmm. Ibaka is kind of the unicorn role player, right? I mean, there's just nobody sure. in the league like Ibaka. Yeah, well, I mean, until Embiid comes back next year and he's a seven foot three version of him. But nah. yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Yeah, okay. Um, there's nobody in the like I said. There's nobody in the league like <laughs> oh, Ibaka. <laughs> and you know, Waiters is a quality role player, and Campaign can play. You know, he's, yeah, we he's didn't mention Payne at all, but he's he is good. He's got a lot of confidence too. You could tell he was the best player on his college team for a few years. Yeah, so he can play, and uh, Cantor can do some things if you give him that limited role. You mm-hmm. know, he's played. I think he's had a pretty good year just in his 25 minutes. Yeah, Cantor's one of those guys, you know, again, I will say it every week, Mike hates PER. Cantor's got an extremely high PER, and it's, it's, it's mostly because he's not turning it over that much this year and rebounding like crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's great on offense against second units. Right. I mean, there's no question. But, but that's a big thing. They're hiding him on second units. Right, but, I mean, can't, you can imagine Cantor having a big role against a team like San Antonio sure, with those bigs. Sure. I mean, you know, it's good to have those guys. The Clippers, you know, outside of their big four, you know, what are they really, I mean, they're starting Luke Mbappé, Mute at small forward. He's terrible. Yeah, I mean, and Jamal Crawford is is aging. You know, he's having a good stretch, but is you know, we kind of. I feel like my whole life, Jamal Crawford's been the exact same. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I mean? yeah, he, he it's can... it's it's a little uncanny, but yeah, yeah he, he's playing well. But I mean, I think the 
Waiters is probably more valuable at this point than he is. I mean, he's, that might be a, t- a strong statement. But I've been I looking think, at though as Waiters Reddick though. Well, okay, but yeah. I mean, pro- yeah, I mean, Reddick is tremendous. Yeah. but but again, remember they don't have Griffin. So no, so, I, I think the the Clippers also have not gotten as far as this Oklahoma City core has. I mean, the Clippers have been knocked down the second round. This this yep. Thunder core has made the finals. Mm-hmm. They made the conference finals. A modified version of by core you mean Westbrook and Durant. Yeah, but Ibaka I mean the year after. Yeah, but yeah. I mean the year the year after when Ibaka got injured. I mean they mm-hmm. they lost the Western Conference Finals only because of that injury. Yeah, I mean, it was they a calf, came, calf muscle. Yeah, I mean they went down two nothing and then he came back and they made it a series so heroically. Yeah, that was. They have a more stuff. of a track record. So mm-hmm. and yeah. Well, so, and I, let me ask you, Mike, then, of those seven games, right, we, we talked about earlier in the pod, the, the Golden State, Cleveland, Golden State, Clippers, Golden State, which is back-to-back nights, by the way, and then Clippers, Spurs, that's seven games. What do they need, what, how many of those do they need to win for this to shake out the way they want? I think it would make which ones too. Well, I think it would, first of all, they got, they got what? They have Golden State uh, this Saturday mm-hmm. on ABC. I think that's, that's a right. really big game. I think that's, I believe that's in Oklahoma City. I'm not. I'm not sure where that is. I think that is the game in Oklahoma City because yeah. then when they come back on the flip side, it's at Golden State next night in Los Angeles against Clippers. I think to really feel good about where they are, they need to win that game. Interesting. Interesting. I think. I think that's a big game because look for all of what Golden State has on the defensive end, Durant is the one guy they have not been able to guard. Because even LeBron uh, is not what he used to be explosively. He kind of is a battering ram. They know how to guard LeBron. They don't. There's no. They don't have a matchup for Durant because Durant can kind of curl off these screens and just shoot over the top of even their those guys. Yeah, yeah. He and, lets his floater go at eleven feet above you know right. above the ground. They have no match. I think he's the one guy. You know, do you remember the game last year when uh, Durant got injured at halftime? I believe he had he had like something like twenty five or twenty six in the first half. It was it was on TNT night game, right? It was yeah. devastating to see him get hurt. Yeah, he was dominating. Dominating. Yeah. You know, the Warriors. That's a very scary matchup for the Warriors. And Westbrook has not played well against Golden State in the past, but he seems much more under control this year. Well, let me ask you that. You mentioned Westbrook control. Last week we talked about Golden State chaos. I would argue that no individual player thrives more in chaos than Westbrook, but no team than the Warriors. How does that work? How does that play out? It's going to be interesting because the biggest... The biggest concern I have for the Thunder against the Warriors is that they're just they lose concentration so easily on defense. Westbrook is a ball watcher. Durant has got to carry a big load. Even Ibaka, as good as he is, he has lapses sometimes. Mm-hmm. And their bench guys, I mean Waiters has, you know, been very given great effort, but he still has lapses. I can't imagine that team chasing the Warriors in transition, and I can't imagine if Westbrook is not playing well that he's going to force some tough shots. He's going to create these chaos situations, and that's going to be game over. Yep. So it's really important. Those two guys have got to really be under control, and I think they've shown enough this year that, you know, look, Westbrook can take his guy down on the block and score. You know, it's not the most efficient way of scoring, but it's a great way to kind of slow the game down, as we saw in the finals. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a weapon he has that he can he can kind of use so that he doesn't have to kind of go against their arms, you know, clawing at him and yep. pick and roll situations every time. So if Westbrook can play can continue to play under control, it does take away a lot of what makes Golden State great. So that's why I think in Oklahoma City, that's the game they have to win. Who do you I, think would win in a headbutting contest, Bogut or Adams? 
Oh, that'd be very incredible, right? Mm. I know, I know. I Illegal screen that. contest too. Yeah. <laughs> who, who can hold your t-shirt, or your uh, your undershirt more? Because they're both very good at that too. And one's an Australian, and one's from New Zealand. Thank you for clearing that up. I needed. I was about to say it too. I ne- I'm very sorry, my to our New Zealand brethren. I know it's a huge difference, and I'm so sorry I messed it up in the heat of the moment. Uh, yeah. So, so what do you think, Mike? Maybe like win, like got to win four of those. I think it's asking a lot, but three or four is what I would hope for. I mean, yeah, let's say four. I think you try to split with Golden State. I think you try to beat Cleveland to split the season series with them. I think you win one of the two against the Clippers, and I think they statement game at the end of that against the Spurs. That would be your four. But if you Mm -hmm. win three of those, that's okay, too. You're still going to have a lead on the Clippers to get out of that 4-5 first-round matchup. Not that it really particularly matters. I don't think there's a huge difference between playing Dallas or Memphis in the first round. But... I think there is. Do you? It's more for the second round, though, because you don't yeah, want to be in the four I, seed, so you don't play Golden yeah, State. Yeah, I also round. think though that like Memphis is one of those teams that like you just it, it, it's they're inconvenient. You yeah, kind of would sure, just rather sure. not have to play to, I agree. to get beat up. I agree, but I will say this: same division as Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is ten and one against their division. The only other team with a better in division record this year. Golden State's eleven and zero. Look at who's in their division. They though. probably won't lose this year. Exactly. Look, look at who's in, in their division, though. Who? Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Yeah, Denver. You have Minnesota. You have Utah. And you have Portland. Exactly. You have murderers Row. Portland, Utah. Wow, that is the worst division. <laughs> that's the worst division in basketball. Yeah, not exactly a murderers row right there. It, that's worse than the Atlantic for sure, because there's no Toronto, Boston thing going on. Atlantic's wow, not bad this year. You got three quality teams in that division. I mean, you have two of the three worst teams, but then three quality teams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, divisions are dumb anyway. Hey, Kobe had 38 last night. He did. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I was hate a- Kobe. Historically, but I, I felt really good about watching him score 38. I watched it this morning. I, I DVR'd it. I wasn't going to say. Did you up. see what uh, Sam Mitchell said? No. Afterwards, because you know Sam Mitchell was <sighs> the guy uh, who was coaching yeah, when the Raptors when he wore it, score 81. I think he yeah. said, uh, I'm pulling up the quote one right now. <laughs> it was it was glorious. He but said, uh, Sam Mitchell, <sighs> he, he's, he might be the best tanking weapon. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, NBA has. It might be. I hate him, Mitchell said after the game. If I don't see ever see him again, it will be too soon. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, that's good because Sam Mitchell likely won't be coaching after this season anyhow, so he won't yeah. have to watch Kobe play on TV either. That'll work out well. Uh, Mike, quick hitters uh, real quick here. Uh, I think we did a nice job. We've hit a little bit of what Oklahoma City's uh, future looks like, why they are where they're at, some matchups. Real quick, do you think think that uh, Durant will stay ultimately, or do you think he's going to Golden State? I think he's going to stay. I think think that Westbrook and Durant will ultimately stay together. Okay. Yeah, I do. I, I, I should say, stay together in Oklahoma City. Yeah. <laughs> the worst case scenario is they stay together in with you know the Lakers. That would, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd break my heart. Um, I'm gonna just. I think he might. I, I don't know. I'm a little less convinced, but I, I'm not gonna put. I'm not gonna put my money where my mouth is. Sure. Yet, I mean, but you, I'm a little less convinced. You probably heard it. You know, on on uh, Simmons podcast with Barkley. You know, Barkley's still very much a guy who thinks that Oklahoma City can win, and and. You know, to his credit, he has a pretty good understanding of the mentality of these guys and how how they perceive their chances too. I think uh, you know, I, I came in. He was like, you know, Charles doesn't know what he's talking about. Half the things he says are wrong, but then the other half of things he says are like spot on. And in, in his defense, we have not seen those two teams play yet. Yeah, yeah. So we have no idea. You know, That's right. we know that the Spurs, for all the things that the Spurs do well, they don't have that elite talent. I don't think to kind of beat the the Warriors at what they do. They don't have that one guy that can kind of control the pace of the game by himself like in a, w- a lot of ways like LeBron did in the finals yeah. 
you know, Thunder have two of those guys. They have a lot of other problems, but they have two of those guys. And so that's going to be really interesting to me to see how those two guys, can they take the right kind of shots? Can they make enough shots? Can they play below the free throw line enough so that the Warriors mm-hmm. don't get out and run? Do you think Billy Donovan has made the right adjustments so far? New team, obviously, you know, coming from college to the NBA. We haven't mentioned Billy Donovan much. What, a, you, what type of job do you think he's done so that's far? That's an interesting question because I think early on it was a little curious, uh, some of the decisions he was making, some of the players he was playing, and superficially they kind of looked like the same team. But you, you kind of think in their position, right, they're not going to be the one seed. They're probably not going to be the two seed. They have plenty of room to kind of like try some new things out until they, they don't have to really settle on what they have for another couple months even. Mm-hmm. And I think that they've shown signs that they're finally playing some of the right guys. Guys are kind of playing in their roles. I'm not wild about how their defense has been playing, but they do have these stretches where you see you know, their, his changes are paying off. And even though I think that the offense is fundamentally the same, kind of like what we said, the two stars are a little more under control, a little more deferential to each other, and the offense is a little bit more tailored to Westbrook that maybe there is a little bit more happening that it's a little less obvious yeah. to see. So Maybe the change to the, the Westbrook-centric universe they're now living in is ultimately what they needed to have done a while ago, and that was the move. Yeah, and, and to Westbrook's credit, I think he is more under control and has yeah. played a little bit differently. Oh. I think he is... This may not have been possible two or three years ago. For sure. And I, I mean, like, and I always f- say this about Westbrook, but like, you don't game plan for what he does. He does it, and it either executes upon it. It's either, yes, he gets to the rim, he is getting fouled, he is kicking it out to the, to the guys who are, then being, um, who are then making their moves or getting the open shots, whatever it may be. But he's gonna, Westbrook will run at his pace and do what he wants regardless. There's no one in yeah. the NBA who's going to stop him from doing that. Yeah. There are game plans to be put in place to mitigate what Durant does. But it's much harder to do that when Westbrook now is playing at this level. Yeah, the only way you can stop Westbrook, I think, is to kind of get him to play off kilter and out of his out of his element. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Warriors have done over the years. It's going to be really interesting interesting to see if they can do that again. Yep, yep, I agree. Cool, well, look, I'm, I am, man, I hope that we get to see Oklahoma City Spurs, Oklahoma City Golden State, and and Oklahoma City, Cleveland, with Oklahoma City winning it all, and Durant and Westbrook staying together. Now, that's not being a fan of any of these teams. That's just what I want for the sake of the NBA, for the sake of having a little bit of parity, because, good Lord, there's not much right now, and if Durant <laughs> went to Golden State, forget about it. Nobody would ever win a game. Yeah, w- like they would break, be looking to break their own record that they might set this year, um, yeah. which is insane. Yeah, but so much excess if that, that happens. That's, that'd be way more dominant than the, the heels. Yeah, for sure, right? That, it'd be bad, but um, well, right. it depends on your perspective. I think it'd be kind of. I think it'd be kind of amazing to see, but I can understand. Well, think about the outrage when the Heat did what they did. Yeah, they weren't even that good when they joined together. They, they were bad. Well, I mean, they were good, but they were okay. They were a good team. They weren't a historically great team. Adding a, a, a generational player to their other generational. Players. Well, they um, did, but <laughs> I, I, what you're saying is basically that they're not – even those teams weren't as good as the yes. Warriors are now yes. is what you're saying. Exactly. All right, my couple quick hitters before we uh, before we get out of here. I want to touch on a few teams we have not talked about uh, in a while, get your opinion on, on what's going on there. Uh, and then last but not least – 
a few trade rumors that have just been floating through the air. Whoever starts them, we do not know, but they are out there. So, Mike, first and foremost, the Nuggets. Oh, interesting. We're going to talk about Denver. A team we have not touched on Hey, ne- never, never accuse us of ignoring the small market teams. Yes, because or teams that are, I don't know, 19 and 30. But, <laughs> but, but I do want to talk about the Nuggets because I actually like a, a lot. I like what they're doing. Um, 40th pick in the draft last year, not this past year, but the year before. Uh, Jokic, Nick Jokic, Nick Jokic. Have you? Did you see the passport picture that they? That they <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> he looks like he looks like a combination of uh, anybody from a, a Weight Watchers commercial and Buzz from um, from Home Alone. <laughs> God, he does look like a Weight Watchers I know, person. But, but that's now, so rude. But it's so true. <laughs> he's blossomed into a. He's enormous and skilled and and really good. And you could argue that his upside is is even higher than I don't know Okafor's or or. Yeah, uh, I'd argue that. guys who are, have been drafted in the top five the last three, four years, he was 40th overall pick. What, what have you liked about what you've seen from the Nuggets, man? Just you, by quick, the way, quick hit on it. Quick, quick hit on it. Quick aside, do you know who else looked like a Weight Watchers kind of pit, you know, commercial person? I can't talk, but you know what I mean. A Weight Watchers yeah, yeah. picture, uh, you know, before blossoming into an all-world center. Who? You know, Marc Gasol. Yeah, yeah, he did. You're right. So I'm just he, saying. So okay. So is Jokic sort of the next? Because Gasali's huge like him, well, skilled like him. Yeah, he he's really skilled. Like I, I'm stunned by some of the the plays you can make in the short roll uh, and passing it out. I I think he's got some real skill. He can shoot the ball. You know, he's a little. He's not quite there muscle wise, and I think he's not quite there defensive awareness wise. He's but twenty. He's also twenty years old, <laughs> like you said, yeah. and. Yeah, he he can really play, and that was a great find by uh, Tim Connolly and their staff. You know, they get a bad rep, I think, because they kind of always are in this sort of state of mediocrity. Because mm-hmm. I think ownership, they can't ever really fully rebuild. So you always wonder, like, what are they? What's their direction that they're taking? But amid that, they have Jokic. You know, they have Mudiay, who you know has shown more flashes. Obviously, he struggled. At mm-hmm. times this year, but he's also only 19, 20 years old. How old's Nurkic? They have Nurkic who has been injured, uh, but you know if he can get healthy, he you know he's, he's big like guy. Twenty one too. Yeah, yeah. he's twenty one. And French he, guy. What's his name? Joffrey Laverne. Joffrey Laverne. He's, he's pretty. He's not bad either. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they have some quality. Uh, Gary Harris is twenty one. I, I like his game a lot too. I think he he's going to learn how to. He's going to shoot a little bit better, but mm-hmm. he's got he's really good cutting without the ball. He's got good spot up skills. He's a little small, but he's also very tough defensively. You know what he is? He's like a slightly more refined. I think actually more uh, teachable, coachable version of waiters. A little undersized yeah. too. About six four, longer arms. Plays D when they, but plays better D. Is a better form shooter, mm-hmm. smarter with his decision making already. Yeah, and he's only twenty one too. I mean, they're the the the, the four guys you mentioned: Moutier, Jokic, Nurkic, Harris, all under twenty one years old. <sighs> they still have Gallinari, who's having a great season. Mm-hmm. Is still only twenty seven. You <laughs> know, can play up or down a position. Man, it's twenty seven. It feels like he was traded. You know, in the Carmelo deal like a decade ago. I know, and they still have him. They still have uh, Kenneth Fareed, who I I think they should deal him for more young help. I think they're a little crowded up front, but he's only 26, and he's playing. He's doing his thing. Will Barton is only 25 and has had a great year. I have Look, no idea they were this young. Yeah, team, I mean, you know? that's think about that. And not only that, they have some future picks. They have uh, the the pick from the Knicks. You know, as part of that uh, Barnani trade, they're going to have a pick from Houston this year. Wait, uh, so they have the Knicks pick. Uh, them in Toronto, Toronto kind of have. 
I'm, I'm looking up exactly how that works because right. this is all very confusing. But they have excess picks, is what I'm. So, they have oh, they have Portland's pick this oh, year uh, right. if it's on the lottery because of the Aaron Aflalo trade. So if Portland holds on to the eight seed in the West, they get that whatever sixteenth uh, pick or whatever. It yeah, is. they have they have Memphis's pick if uh, pick. if you know because remember that salary dump they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have they have the Knicks the Knicks pick. Uh, they can swap with the Knicks. Okay. Cool. Which um, wow. they wouldn't do right now, uh, and they get but there's like a kind of a three way swap option. Mm-hmm. The Raptors uh, they get the best of the three. The Raptors get the second best, and the Knicks hmm. get the worst. I believe that's how it works. Got Plus it. they have, so they have a lot of excess picks over the years. And so what know, we're getting at here though is the future is bright in Denver. They don't have that one great player. A lot of pick options to get that player. They do, and so I think that. You know, look, they're still on the periphery, but I would pay atten- a little bit of attention to what All they right. do. I think they could be an interesting team in the next few years. All right, limited upside listeners. That is the Denver Nuggets. Mike's saying keep an eye out on them. Don't watch them yet. Don't waste your time. There's better no, basketball. They're, they're, if, There's yeah, better they're ba- fun. They're fun. I like watching them. You, you can watch them. You should. Like, you should take an opportunity to, to see Jokic, to see uh, to see Moutier, to kind of get a, a view of what they look like now at 20 because five years from now, these could be some of the names in the NBA that you're going to want to say, wow, that development was crazy. Um, that's the Nuggets. How about a team on the exact opposite side of the Nuggets uh, for the other quick hitter? And that's Memphis. You okay. mentioned Weight Watchers Gasol. Who is who now? Obviously, is a max salary, um, probably top three center in the NBA. Um, they've had a resurgence too. A lot of times, older teams like this kind of they see that the window is closing, and it's it's a sad swan song. Um, but now Memphis is playing the best ball they've played all season. I want to say they're eight and two in their last 10, yeah, 29 and twenty over yeah, the season. They've won eight and nine. Yep. So tell me about Memphis, dude. There's still a negative one point three points uh, per game in the season uh, in, in scoring difference. So why, why should I buy into Memphis? You mentioned they're an inconvenience. Why are they going to be another inconvenient team again this year where it looked like they were going to be a team diving out of the playoff picture? Yeah, I mean, I think their point differential is a little skewed because of some early season blowouts. They had some blowouts. terrible blowouts. Also, yeah. they I think over the last few years, they have consistently outperformed their point differential. So this is actually sort of a trend with them. I think it's because when they win, it's sort of in that grinded out, you know, a 12-point win is a little bit more significant for them than it would be for other teams. Sure. But it's still 12 points. So, you know, I'm not sure that fundamentally they can really make a significant amount of damage in the playoffs. But I think it's I think it's nice to see they brought Zach Randolph off the bench for a while. Uh, he took it pretty well. They didn't really get any better. I mean, I think the idea was to space the floor more. Um, they've now brought Randolph back into the lineup, and they've started to kind of look – they just are going back to what they know, and yeah. that's nice. And I think the other thing that's nice about what they've done recently is their their bench has really played very well. Jeff Green playing great right now. I'm guarantee you that will not last, but it's nice that he's. <laughs> what he's, do you mean? Jeff Green's a model of consistency. <laughs> His whole career has been exactly what everyone's wanted him to be. Yeah, <laughs> my Celtics, so Celtics fans listening just all just broke yeah, something. I, I'm a little scary that the Wizards are going to buy into this this summer, and when they lose on Durant, well, I don't even want. Think about hey, this. Jeff Green went to Georgetown too, right? Yeah, bring him back. Don't get me started. Okay, we won't. We won't. We won't. <laughs> he's playing better though. Uh, he's <laughs> they put him in a little bit more of a playmaking role, and I think he's he's worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the trade for Mario Chalmers was a nice trade. Another example of kind of them picking out a rotation player and kind of turning him into something useful to mm-hmm. kind of up their ceiling a little bit. He's given them good minutes behind Conley. I think Conley is fresher than he has been in the past. So. 
they're back and being themselves. I mean, it, we're now looking at the very strong likelihood, I think, of another Clippers-Grizzlies series. Yeah, it looks like it, as those teams kind of hone in on that 4-5. Um, and I would, have been, I would have been mad about that last year, but now I'm kind of like, I want to see it one more time. Uh, it, it's like a... Uh, what's a, sometimes when you like in boxing or MMA, UFC stuff, there's like a fight that's like the winner is going to be the one who has a, an opportunity to potentially be a champion, not in this case champion, but to move on to that next step. And the other one will never be the same again. I feel like the loser of a first round series there will be the, the death, one, you know, death knoll, if you will, for the Clippers or Memphis. I agree. The mountain will have been too, too high to climb. I also think it's weird with Memphis too, man. They were the first team this year to find out how good Golden State was very publicly. They got absolutely bashed by them. Mm-hmm. They probably had to do some soul-searching of like, shit, you know, we lost by a lot of points here. What are we doing? Our system's totally different than them. Maybe we're going in the wrong direction. And I think what we mentioned last week about how the best way to beat, potentially beat Golden State is to do what you do best, not try to do what Golden State does. And I think that maybe they got caught up in a little bit of that. Now they've figured out again what it is that they do well, the rotations. You mentioned Chalmers has been excellent for them and they have had injuries with Connolly too not just that he's playing less minutes but that they actually had a viable backup who could play point um, mm-hmm. so I, I think that's really big for them yeah I, I agree and it's weird you know Chalmers was I think given uh, taking a lot of credit off the table for what he did for Miami and now I think it's fair that he's being given some yeah and Miami traded him because of Tyler Johnson and Tyler Johnson is now two months and yep. kind of wonder if Miami wished they still had Chalmers Dave Sh- to Shbaz- kind of kick around Shbaz Napier not anymore <laughs> He's on Orlando. He's on Orlando, that's right. My thinking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. The point guard situation there, and Dragic is back from his little his little injury tiff. Um, last thing I wanted to touch on, because, well, we have to, My my one of my least favorite people in the league as he plays, but someone who I defend because I think he takes way too much heat unfairly, uh, that's Dwight Howard. His name's flying around the rumor mill now because Houston has figured out that they're about the same team with and without him. But potentially could get a lot for him. Now, a team who's been rumored to want to uh, use his services has the most assets potentially in the NBA. Uh, it's 1A and 1B with the Sixers. No, And that's not. the Celtics. I'm sorry, it's not. It's 1A and 1B with the Sixers. No, it's not. And uh, that's the, the <laughs> it's Celtics. Like one in, it's, it's one in like 5B. No, what are you talking about? The Celtics have many more assets than the Sixers do. The, the, wait, as actual basketball players right now on the team. No, and also real assets. They have two unprotected picks from the from third worst team in the league. No, I know, I know. But the, the Sixers still have their picks, which are top picks also. It's it's important to note that. And because Boston's becoming a playoff team, their their picks aren't going to be as good. Also, we have uh, Oklahoma City's, Miami. Oklahoma City's pick is like a nothing. Miami Whatever, pick is like pick. a pick 60. You know, also remember Boston has Cleveland's. Uh, they have at least another first round pick other than from they have a, oh that's right Dallas they also have Dallas, they have Dallas from Rondo pick. yeah okay, I'm okay, sorry okay, okay. they they don't Celtics are don't, number one don't derail what I'm trying to get at here Mike okay <laughs> which is that if there was ever a team who could give Houston an offer that interests them for the services of Dwight it would be Boston does that make any sense at all is that rumor something that interests you no I don't no I don't think it makes a ton of sense I, I don't think Teams are going to give up a lot for Dwight Howard right now. I don't now. think so either. I think he's he's 30 years old. He's clearly uh, still have some still has some health issues. When he plays, he makes a big impact. Mm-hmm. I would agree, but he is in and out of the lineup a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he's also a free agent this summer, so probably uh, he he can opt out, and I would expect mm-hmm. him to. I think it would make a lot of sense for him to opt out. Yep. And I don't know if like I'm a team like like Boston. If I'm dying to trade a lot to get. 
the right to pay him twenty twenty five million this summer. Yeah. Even though you know clearly that team, their one weakness on defense is rim protection. Yeah, they could use Dwight's defensive prowess. They, they c- might kill their offensive flow. That goes without saying with a guy like Dwight. But I don't know. I watched them play. I, I kind of like the way Boston's. I don't know. Their big men now are the exact opposite of Dwight. So I kind of like the idea that he could come in. You probably lose Zeller or Olenek in that trade. One of those two has to leave. But the other one complements Dwight pretty well. Um, I'm okay if that happens, but I don't think people in Boston want Dwight. He's kind of the anti-Celtic. Yeah, and you also have to think, if you're Boston, right, you have all this treasure trove of assets. Mm -hmm. You also have, you know, a decent team. Probably not going to go any – I mean, I don't think they're the second-best team in the East. I mean, they're know? tied for third right now. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, the East is tight. Right. Yeah. So – but you also have, like, these two picks from Brooklyn coming down. You can draft a franchise player with those picks. You could. Yeah. And it should yield a top-five pick this year, probably next year. Yeah, it, we'll see what the Nets do. I mean, they, they could have three chances to legitimately yeah. draft a great player. Yeah. And they don't exactly have, like, an old team – Right, no, their team. I'd say they're young. Right, so I don't think if you're Boston, I don't think you should surrender any of your top asset. There, it's not the end of the world if you use those picks. Like, in fact, that's actually not a bad. That's a pretty good scenario. Combined with the cap opening up, yeah, it's. I don't think you need to trade those. So short of like a super mega star getting out there, and I don't yeah. think that's Dwight Howard. I don't think that's Al Horford who's kind of been in rumors. Boogie. Boogie's the one who would be yeah. the super mega star for them. Yeah, that's I don't the think guy Boogie opened the bank for. I don't think Boogie is going to be on the market. I mean, the mm-hmm. other interesting one is. There are two other interesting ones to kind of think about, and that's yep. you know Blake Griffin is one. Certainly, also probably not someone who's available yet, but someone to think about. Getting closer. Ke- Kevin Love is the other. I think that would be really interesting. But he's in the photos now when they do the <laughs> team true. picture. He's part of the Cavs. <laughs> like he wasn't part of the Cavs before because the pictures. But um, I, I promise I will never Photoshop you in a picture um, where you shouldn't be. You can if, if you want, as long as I get um, last say on that editorial. Say okay, on, fine. Uh, on how that looks. Yeah, but but you know your department is not supposed to get that. No, no, we don't. <laughs> Sales, church and state. Um, yeah. But cool, Mike. Those are the only quick hitters I wanted to get to. We probably went a little bit over the time that we usually want to go here. But we had a lot to get to. We had to hit on Oklahoma City. The rumors, it's important that we touch on the markets like Denver and like Memphis because their fan bases are important to us as well. Um, and I like watching Denver play. Yeah, there you go. And Mike likes watching Denver I like play. Denver. You've been a Denver and Portland guy. are like my two like kind of guilty pleasure teams. There you go. I, I really like watching those two teams play. There you go. All right. There's <laughs> So you you watch a lot of Wizards, yeah. Nuggets, and Trailblazers? Trailblazers. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I can't really say hey, much Hey, the Blazers are fun to watch. They are. You should watch them And I sometime. watch so much Sixers that like I should just cleanse the palate with anything but them. Um Having said that, Mike, we've reached our allotted amount of time here. I think we have like real jobs. You got to write stuff. I got to sell stuff. <laughs> we got to get back to all of that. But um, you can uh, find Limited Upside Podcast on iTunes. Just look for Limited Upside. Uh, you subscribe to us, rate us, share it with your friends. Go to sbnation.com backslash MBA to find Limited Upside when we go up on site. On SoundCloud, same thing. Search for Limited Upside. We're going to be doing this more and more often, Mike. I'm having a good time doing Limited Upside with you, bud. Yeah, me too. And uh, if you have any things, any topics you want us to hit, please uh, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Mike Prada uh, SBN, spelled like the Italian company. 
Uh, and Ben is at EpiBen, which is spelled like the device that you put into your skin when you get stung by a bee. If you're allergic. Yeah, E-P-P-Y, Ben, as in my name, at EpiBen. Shoot us questions, and then we can absolutely 100% do a pod, which is just answering these questions. Look, we love all the different markets. We just talked about that. Find us, subscribe to us, search for us on SBNation.com backslash MBA. Until next time, Limited Upside Podcast. Thank you.